Reading now from the Gospel according to Luke, the 15th chapter. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself and said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The slave replied, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then the older son became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I may celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, and you killed the fatted calf for him, then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you can... And I know it'll be hard because for the most part you are the older brothers in life. Responsible, practical, hardworking, all those things your mother told you that Jesus wanted you to be so that you'd be what she wanted you to be. If you can, just today, 
Try to put yourself in the younger brother's shoes. Instead of judging him for whatever you think he lacked, or however you think he failed, just today, think of yourself as the younger brother. We don't know how old he was, nor how old the father was. We don't know anything about their relationship or their livelihood. This is a parable, not a biography. What we're told is the younger brother wanted his share of the inheritance, which scholars have turned into a scandal. It's as good as calling the old man dead, they say. Maybe. Or maybe it's what many a child has done. Hey, Dad, you've done well establishing the family business. You've provided for us, given us a stable home. Thank you. But there's this can't-miss opportunity. And if you'll just give me my share of what's coming to me anyway, I'm going to go get that can't-miss opportunity, and we're going to have an even better life than before. Had the son invested in a lamb filet franchise, we'd all celebrate his business acumen. We'd be talking about what a great entrepreneur he was. Instead, before his venture got going, whatever it was, And while he was still having to flash the cash to impress the ladies, a famine hit. When I was a teenager, I washed the clear coat off my 1984 Buick Electra. I wanted a Jeep Wrangler. I liked that style. I liked that look. I thought that was the kind of car that would make dates come to me easily. But I was an older brother. So I washed the only car that I could afford, the free one that came to my family when my grandfather died. I washed it weekly, hoping that a sensible, responsible boy in an old man car would somehow bring in the women. There were a lot of lonely miles put on that Buick. Less responsible, friends of mine had plenty of irresponsible dates, those younger brothers, that younger brother in our story blew through his father's money, first on fun, then on necessities, big living can quickly lead to famine. A significant percentage of lottery winners have less money five years after they win the jackpot than they had before. It's a dangerous prospect, we're told, to which all of, our, all of us older brothers say, we'll take the risk. We can handle it. We know what we do with that money, but those younger brothers, the ones who actually take the bait, the ones who go out and buy those tickets... They'd blow it on fast cars and bad investments, like helping their out-of-work cousin put together his grand idea of a combination mobile barbecue pit and barbershop. That's what younger brothers would do. And don't you know, 
that the younger brother knew that's what the older brother was thinking. Don't you know that the younger brother knew that the older brother kept a long list of evidences that he couldn't handle anything? Remember, for today, you're supposed to be thinking like the younger brother. Would you want to go home knowing that's the judgment that awaited you? I wonder, would the younger brother have gone home a little earlier before slopping hogs, before starving while the pigs ate, before things got unimaginably bad had the older brother not spent his life shaking his head, complaining about how the younger brother always got more latitude, more grace, more money than he ever did, Dad, when I was a child, I never. If I had acted like that, you would have. Brother, if you cared about our father at all, you'd. In fact, you can hear the, young, the older brother right now predicting as the younger brother walked away, yelling it right over his shoulder, how they'd see him again one day. The penniless. Brother wasted all the father's money with more stories about how he had lived a reckless life than they would care to hear. He'd be back. You can count on it. Those might well have been the older brother's parting words, words that still rung in the younger brother's ears while he slopped the hogs. Those words, those hard-to-hear words, those understandable words, words, a way for the older brother to protect his heart, to protect his father's heart from one more painful experience with the younger brother. If you're the younger brother, keep trying to imagine that. And you've been labeled a failure, a disappointment. How quickly would you go home? You church staff looked at this familiar passage together on Tuesday. We pulled up some artwork, some images, some sculptures. We wanted to see how a different artists depicted the various scenes. Slowing down to ponder how an artist would depict dissolute living was revealing. Seeing images of people in tattered, a man, a boy, in tattered, Clothes and without shoes, collapsed at his father's feet, was also revealing. If you've been labeled a failure and your choices have supported the claim, how bad must your life become before you're ready to say, I'll go home. I'll face what I have coming to me. The distance always seems too far. Before Luke recounts the story, before he tells us what Jesus told us, he reminds us of the younger brothers that Jesus spent his time with and of the older brothers who disapproved of it. Jesus was drawn to people labeled tax collectors and sinners. And because he cared about them, they cared for him. 
And that didn't sit well with the older brother types. Birds of a feather flock together, you know. If he doesn't know any better than to be seen with people like them, what does he do when he's not being seen and with people like them? It's unseemly, the religious older brothers said about Jesus welcoming these ne'er-do-well younger brothers. I'm an older brother. I get it. I'm a parent. I get it. I watch my children's friends. I watch my children's friends' parents. Some of you are my children's friends' parents. I'm watching you. (laughs) I'm very interested to know who my children spend time with and how they spend their time. If you're spending time with people who are dangerous to themselves or dangerous to you, don't use Jesus' example as an excuse to stay in bad situations. You aren't Jesus. And those that Jesus was lifting up, those sinners He was lifting up, He lifted up because He loved them, not because... He was at risk of them bringing him down in a corrupted version of love. I know, that's what you'd expect an older brother to say. But Jesus didn't tell this story so that you could do whatever it is you please. Or to reinforce you supporting others doing whatever it is they please. He told this story because he loves fathers. And he loves older brothers. And he loves younger brothers. He knew the grief of a father longing to have his son home. He knew the grief of the older brother wanting to protect his father from grief and himself from it as well. Jesus knew the grief of a younger brother who fought against himself. Unsure of which way to go wanting things that weren't good for him but felt good at the time, and wanting to please his father but unsure if that was ever possible again. Jesus told this story because every character in it needed mercy, which conveniently corresponds with every person who has ever heard it told. Scribes, Pharisees, disciples, Older brothers, younger brothers, fathers, mothers, sisters, daughters, everyone. We all need mercy. And if we're the ones who've drifted away, or driven ourselves away, or lost our way, the first mercy we need is to realize that we can, in fact, go home. That there's a father to return to. Father who is ready to receive us. The same Father who would sweep the room clean in search of one small coin. Or who would go out into the wilderness to find that one lost sheep is ready to welcome us home. So ready that He's not just willing to receive us, He will come to find us. He makes so much about what we can do should do, better do, 
And we have a God who says, let me do. Just come home. Or if you can't do that, just move in my direction. I won't kidnap you, but I also won't give up on you. I will come to you. A second century rabbi told this story. A king had a son who had gone astray from his father on a journey of a hundred days. His friend said to him, return to your father. He said, I cannot. Then his father said, return to me as far as you can. And I will come the rest of the way to you. Whichever son you are. Whatever kind of father you may be, God's word to you is this. Return to me as far as you can, and I will come the rest of the way to you.